0: to Maranatha Christian Assembly Podcast, where we bring you the Word of God wherever you are. We pray that you be blessed by God's Word this week. Alright, so this morning, um, we're going to talk a bit about parenting, Alright. So if you're not a parent, you say, oh, this message is not really for me. Uh. Uh, but take note, every one of us uh, are spiritual parents. Okay, all of us have a role to uh, disciple the next generation. All right, so parenting is getting more and more complex. Okay, uh, can I have my slides? Uh, how many of you agree? Getting more and more complex, right? Okay, so the title of my message this morning is dedicated to the Lord. It's getting more and more complex. And there's one thing that my parents didn't have to grapple with that I had to. And you also have to, the new parents. You know why it's there not? one thing and uh, it's, it's, like, it's, like a, it's like a big thing my parents didn't have to deal with that but I had to deal with it and modern day parents have to deal with it even more you know what's that or not? it's called devices uh. it's called screen time agree or not? Huh? well is fighting with their kids over this device so it's like an a evil thing you know. that was born uh, and it gave us a lot of trouble a lot of uh, headache uh, and recently, when I read uh, the newspaper, uh, this article, uh, I read this article, they, they, they did a research. Uh, okay, and uh, they found that actually, if your kids use a lot of devices when they are below two years old, right, it actually, uh, this is a 10 year study, uh, they actually found out that it affects uh, the, the child's um, executive functions. Means, what does it mean? Uh? It means the uh, ability to focus later in life. Uh, So uh, first two years, later on, even as uh, you go into childhood, right, they found that it affects quite scary. I'm not trying to scare you, but this is what the research says. The ability to focus, remember instruction, perform multiple tasks successfully, they have difficulty controlling their impulses or emotions, sustaining attention, following through with multi-step instruction, and persisting in hard tasks. Wow. When I read this, I was quite worried. You know why now? Because when my children were growing up, ah, especially my third one, ah, they all the time, I ah, got screen. Why you know? So i was thinking, oh, did I damage my kids' brains? So I felt a bit very guilty, like, oh no, you know, uh, what did I do? You know, my older one still got time to read book, ah, but by then, ah, a little one, well everybody is on the screen already. So I felt a bit, uh, a bit, uh, uh, guilty, because in fact, uh, last time, uh, you know, when uh, I used to drive up to Malaysia, either for church camp or for holiday, because no money, I uh, can only go to Malaysia, you know what I will do or not? I will install a DVD player, portable DVD player, at the back of the driver's seat, last time it's DVD uh, by the way, you all don't know why it's DVD, right? Put on the screen behind my seat, so that when I drive in, got jammed, uh, don't worry, everybody is watching the, the DVD screen, okay, so it's quite hardcore, hardcore. Uh, I was one of the first few pioneers who did that. Uh. Buy your own DVD machine and put behind. Connected to the power one. Wow. Okay, so, so uh, whoa, I felt a bit guilty. I thought, wow, what did I do to my kids? Uh? Did I damage them? So I had to ask God for forgiveness. Okay, and then uh, 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 later on, they, uh, they say, uh, actually most parents, modern day, uh, they exceed this, uh, this, uh, this recommendation. So they say below two, you shouldn't use device. And from three to seven, uh, recommended is only one hour a day. Who who can meet this recommendation one? Those with young kids, three to seven, who can? Cannot one, uh. it's very difficult. uh. If you can, well well done, you're a good parent. So they did a survey, they found that uh, on average, uh, if you're age one, uh, you use two hours a day. Then you age uh, age two, uh, you use 2.4 hours a day in Singapore. uh, and then we age three, uh, two point seven hours a day. So who who passed? Most of them fail, la. Okay. And as you, grow up, you go up, every year you get more and more. Okay. So uh, uh, they say there's uh, it, it will lead to you know addiction, social skill, you know, or, or laid back lifestyle, you know, uh, and, and, and so wow, quite scary, right? So they recommend physical activity, la. Don't just look at the screen. So I think there's validity in, in some of these things. Uh, we should really limit and not uh, overdo it. Uh, but as of right now, all the parents here are very guilty already, right? Huh? You feel like, wow, why did I do that? So I cannot meet the one hour. I also cannot. Uh. So but recently, uh, the most recent news, uh, uh, I think, give us some comfort. Okay, he says uh, this, this uh, latest, one, uh, latest one just came out this week. They say, uh, don't stigmatize the use of devices. Wow. Thank God for this article. Uh. So because they know bu- parents are guilty enough, you know, they, they feel like killing themselves, really, then this article come out. Okay. Don't stigmatize. means uh, 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 think of devices as an experience rather than just a negative thing. So seeing as a, t- seeing as a tool for education purposes, so uh, it can be educational. Okay, so like uh, they say sesame street, uh, and Daniel Tiger, i am never a Daniel Tiger. During my time, I got no Daniel Tiger. All the young parents will know. Okay, so there's some educational uh, value. You can also use devices to, for social bonding, okay, like playing games together. So, don't just look at the number of hours of screen time as a guide, uh, but uh, try to put in other things, okay, uh, to encourage your, your children. Physical activity, go out, exercise, play games board games, everything. So you should limit, but at the same time, don't be guilty if you exceed. Okay, so everything do in moderation. Uh, and more importantly, more importantly is what they watch rather than how many hours. All right, so this uh, article actually give us some uh, comfort, okay, that it's okay, don't worry, uh, my kids turn out well. Uh, <laughs> not too bad, I think. I hope I didn't damage their brain. Uh, uh, my kids, when they are growing up, huh, my, uh, especially my third boy, uh, I will install an app on the phone. Uh, when in primary school ah, uh, when it's primary, on a phone, it's called Alpac. Uh, okay, it's a paid app. So at certain time it will shut off huh? Then, uh, now now he's in uh, secondary school. Uh, his computer at certain time will shut down. So I don't have to fight with them. Uh, you know, and uh, if they do the work, then I can unlock. Yeah. So so you must make use of devices to control screen time. Alright, don't need to fight with them. Just when they finish their work, you unlock. Okay. So uh, that's very important, especially for all of us. Very practical. Screen time is the one that we fight with our kids the most, uh, and I uh, and, and we we are on a missioner God series. We go through the uh, the whole Old Testament. Okay, so if you have missed it, you can go back to the YouTube to look at it. And then we plan this child dedication service, right? Not knowing, Uh, uh that actually the passage that I'm going to preach today is very in line because the passage is uh, the 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 the, uh, the the Bible passage that we are stopping at is actually First Samuel. And what's happening in First Samuel? Hannah is dedicating Samuel. I was like, wow, so soon, uh, must be God. How uh? kind of message, just nice, uh, talking about dedication of children. So it's a, it's a wonderful uh, passage to teach us actually how do we, uh, the do's and don'ts, okay, the do's and don'ts of uh, nurturing our children, nurturing the next generation, all right? Uh, so, so the context is basically, uh, in the book of Judges, okay, we talk about the book of Judges where it was a very dark time, Samson was the last judge, uh, and, uh, and uh, it, it was a period where everything was, uh, was a very decadent period in the nation of Israel. And then last sermon, I talk about Ruth, Ruth is a bright example where God is still working. Uh, and today we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to first Samuel, okay, First Samuel is um, uh, also a very interesting passage because First Samuel actually talks about Eli. Okay, Samson was the last judge in the book of Judges. Eli is the high priest and also the judge uh, in the book, book of 1 Samuel, all right? And uh, Eli is about to pass the baton to Samuel. Okay, Samuel is he's a very good priest, prophet, and also a judge. Okay, and Samuel later on, he's the last judge. He's going to pass on the baton to kings, all right? So that's the context. Uh, and, and when we talk about judges, it's basically not the judge in a, high, uh, in a civil court, huh? just means like a like a village chief. Okay, so they had all these village chief, and Samuel is the last uh, village chief, but he's the best village chief because he's the one who actually had national influence. Some of these uh, village chief only had regional influence. So he, Samuel is a very important person uh, in the book of uh, in, in 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 the history of the nation Israel. So this morning we are going to look at uh, basically this big idea: how we actually need one another. To nurture the next generation okay, for God's purpose. We need one another. We cannot do it alone. Because there is a saying, uh, it takes a village to raise a child. Alright? And uh, this story basically starts with First Samuel It starts with uh, this man. His name uh, is called Elkanah. Okay? Elkanah has two wives. He has two wives. Uh, one is called Peninnah. Peninnah. Okay, Peninaya has, has a lot of children. But he has another wife called Hannah. Okay, uh, he loved Hannah a lot, give her double portion, but Hannah cannot conceive. Okay, so every year, Hannah will go to the temple and start crying, asking God, you know, uh, for a child, but for many years, God has closed her her womb, all right? So, from this passage, we want to learn uh, basically three things about how to nurture the next generation for God's purposes, the do's and the don'ts, all right? So, the first thing we can learn uh, from 1 Samuel is God's part, okay? About God's part, God has a part to play in our children's life, uh, and that's why we need to dedicate our children to God and His service. So many times people thought child dedication is asking for a special blessing uh, from God, as if uh, I pray there's a bigger difference. No, no, no. So the first thing about child dedication service is we are dedicating our child to God and his service. Okay, that's the first thing. Uh, we see in 1 Samuel chapter 1 verse 11, uh, Hannah is getting desperate. Okay, she didn't have a child for a long time and Penaniah is always laughing at her. Hey, how come you don't have children? Uh, how come? Uh? So the second wife is always laughing at her. So Hannah made a vow. She said, O oh Lord of hosts, if you indeed look at the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, and will give your servant a son. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his beard. Okay, what does it mean? So basically Hannah is very desperate and uh, she makes a vow to God that if God grants her this request and opens her womb, she will uh, dedicate this child to a Nazarite. Okay? Nazarite for the service of the Lord all the days of his life. What is a Nazarite? A Nazarite is basically somebody who is set apart to serve God for a period of time only. Okay? But for her, she said, whole life. For a period of time, they cannot uh, drink alcohol, okay? they cannot cut their hair, and they cannot touch a dead carcass. Okay? So these are three things to show they are set apart uh, a, a time of priesthood uh, to God. But uh, Hannah made this vow. He said, I will let this boy be a Nazarite for all his life. So, uh, that was her vow to the Lord. So after she prayed that vow, uh, what happened? Uh, this um, Eli, the priest, the high priest said, Oh, God will grant you the request. Okay, so Eli affirmed her prayer. God will give her the request. And the boy is born. A miracle happened. Nine months later, uh, Hannah, is, uh, Hannah gave birth to Samuel. Okay, Samuel basically means the name means the Lord has heard her prayer. All right? So, uh, Samuel is born, okay? And he says, For this boy I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my request, for which I asked of him. So, I've also dedicated him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is dedicated to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there, okay? So, uh, Hannah dedicated this child, okay? As soon as he is weaned, it means uh, one year, one year plus, as long as, as it's win, Hannah brings him to the temple and says, God, I give him back to you. Okay? So the word dedicate here means to set apart for sacred use. Okay? Uh, and uh, The word dedicate also means you have given me a gift. God, I am lending it back to you for your use. Okay? That's what it means. Uh, you, you, see, you see, Hannah, when she received this child, she must be very, very happy. Okay? Can you imagine, pray for so long, the child comes. Uh, she has an option. Either pretend that she forgot about the vow or she uh, she can say, yeah, maybe later on, uh, he's still young. Okay, he, she could have done that, but she didn't. As soon as he's one or two years old, she brings the child, go back to Eli and gives the child to Eli to learn from Eli how to be a priest. Okay, and uh, Eli will stay there for the rest of his life. Okay, okay, uh, can you imagine you have a one, two-year-old ch- child, right? And then you decide to put at a religious boarding school for the rest of his life. Can or not? How many of you can do that? Huh? Wow, takes a lot, huh? So Hannah is a very dedicated woman who is a, a woman of her word, and she did that. And because she did that, uh, Samuel was able to uh, learn from Eli. Samuel was able to develop his, his calling and he became one of the best uh, priests, best prophet, and best judge ever in the history of Israel. Okay? And uh, he managed to fulfill his calling, his potential, because Hannah released him to the Lord and allowed God to parent Samuel instead of her. Okay? She realized that God can do a better job. Okay? And as she releases a child to God. So, so, in dedicating, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to, to, to say, uh, uh, I want to be a good parent, but God, you are a better parent. You know your child better than me. Your plans are better than my plans for the child. Okay? So, not just Tiger Mama, but release the child back to God. And God, come and do what you want in the child's life. Uh, my three children are all very different. Uh, if I, my, my plans for them are Liao La. Okay, because they have other plans. They have other gifting and other wiring. I have to release them to the Lord and say, God, come and do what you want in their lives. And the Lord actually uh, rewarded Hannah. Even though she gave up one, uh, you know how many the Lord give her back? Uh? The Lord gave her an additional three sons and two daughters. Okay, the Lord rewarded her for her faithfulness. All right? So many of us may say, "Aya, thank God when my child is born, I didn't make that vow. Oh yeah, don't apply to me. Uh. I don't need to give my child for full-time Christian ministry because I never say what? Well, I never say that. Okay? Uh, in my ministry, uh, I see a lot of parents, uh, uh, Christian parents, what uh, their wish is the same as non-Christian one, Be doctor doctor, be a be. Then one day the child comes to, uh, come to us uh, and says, hey, I want to join full-time Christian ministry. What oh, the parents freak out, you know. Their parents, oh, well, then they'll start to discourage the child. No, you know, are you sure No, not? You know, or, it is some even block. Huh? No, cannot, cannot. Okay, because why? They are not ready to release the child for God's service. They, they want the child to, to, to study well, do well in society, just like anybody else. Because they don't have the concept that actually the child is God's gift for them, but it actually doesn't belong to them. They are just managers for God, this child. The privilege to nurture this child on behalf of god uh, and the bible tells us that uh, we are all supposed to as living sacrifice remember every one of us are child okay they're supposed to be that living sacrifice uh, so so hannah's prayer is our prayer our child, our child belongs to God, and we need to present him to God because God will do a better job. Uh, and even though every child is a gift, he okay, says, a heritage, a reward, but this gift, we must thank God for it, but we are taking care of the child on behalf of God. Turn the child back to God. All right. Change my, uh. Thanks, Josh. We need to return the child back to God, even though it's a giver. Huh? Just let us use that because when we pass away, everything we have belongs to God anyway. We cannot take anything. Uh, and, and, and they are not here to fulfill our dreams, you know, to be a successful person. They are here to fulfill God's dreams. Uh, the purpose why God asks us to um, be fruitful and multiply. Okay, so in, in today's context, uh, a lot of people actually a lot of parents actually don't want to give birth to children. Why? Because they still want to travel to Europe as a couple. They want to do their own things. They would rather adopt a dog than to give birth. Now it's a trend. Ah. Now it's getting very popular. Because wow, children are very troublesome. Ah. Then they hear wow, the investment is $1 million every child. Wow. Then the returns not guaranteed one. So better not. Ah. So better invest in ourselves. Okay, But the Word of God tells us this. Ah. It says... Uh, in, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay? So many times when young and tell me they don't want to give birth, I will quote this verse, I'll quote this passage. And then they'll say, are you sure not, Pastor? I say, yes. It's a command. Be fruitful and multiply. But it's not for your own dream. It is so that God will multiply image bearers on earth. What is image bearers? It means God wants to see God's representative on earth so that they will do His will, they will manage and govern the earth well for His glory. All right? So our children is not for our own agenda. It's so that God's representative is spread all over the earth. Okay, to represent Him and point people back to God. Okay, so we are, we are like Hannah. We need to lift up our children to, and say, God, bless them, use them, fulfill the greatest potential that they will know you and they will carry out your calling. That's the most important thing. Okay, uh, we need to lift them up and surrender them back to God. Uh, so, so in this dedication service, that's what you're doing. You're giving them back to God. So if today, maybe some of you want to pull out, uh, because after you hear this, oh yes, oh yes. better take out my name. Sorry, the slide I already put there. Already. So yeah, yeah. So you're giving back God, God. What you want to do with this child? Up to you. Okay. Lord gives, Lord take away, but blessed be your name, Lord. Whatever happens, okay, to this child, he belongs to you. Okay, that's what we are doing. Uh, and uh, uh, Jesus himself was dedicated to the Lord. Okay, when he's born, even Jesus, uh, the parents bring him to the temple and uh, uh, give him giving up to the Lord's service. And at the temple, he met uh, this guy called Simeon. Simeon saw the baby, said, "Wow! Well, before I die, it was my request to see the Messiah. So Simeon saw Jesus and began to prophesize, pray over Jesus. Okay, later in the service, we're going to also ask the parents, the grandparents to pray over, prophesize that God's calling and destiny be fulfilled in a child's life. So we dedicate them that they will fulfill God's agenda. Jesus himself, you know, uh, normally when the children are all very noisy, right, we get very distracted in service, right? Hey, why so noisy are the children? So the disciples also try to remove the children. But Jesus, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, uh, don't, don't remove them. Okay, the, the children were brought to him, to Jesus, that he might, what, lay his hands on them and pray. Okay, uh, uh, the disciples uh, rebuked the people. But Jesus said, let the little children, come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. Wow. So Jesus welcomes children. Okay, We find them uh, noisy, a nuisance, but Jesus welcomed them. And not only does he welcome them, what does he do? He lays his hands on them. He prays for them. He blesses them. So that's what we're going to do as well in the service. We're going to ask God's Blessing. To come on then. Okay, not just sacrificing uh, to, 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 to Jesus, uh, we're asking God to bless them. All right, uh, to bless their life, to, to protect them. So that's what we're doing. And 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 in this passage, he tells us that the kingdom of God belongs to such as this. What does it mean? Okay, it basically means that uh, as 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 children, if anything happens to them, okay, they automatically belong to the kingdom of God. Anything that happens to them, okay, they belong to the kingdom of God. Uh, 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 in theology, there's this term called Age of Accountability. Okay? Before a child is able to know right or wrong, before a child is able to know the gospel, anything that happens to a child is automatically in the kingdom of God. Okay? So he's secure. And we all must be like a, 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 a child, trusting in God. Okay? And, and, and God brings us uh, into His kingdom. Okay? So, so that is what it means. The kingdom of God belongs to them. He welcomes them. Uh, so this morning, we need to surrender them back to God, allow God to bless them, allow God to use them for His service. Okay, So that's the first point, God's part. We need to surrender our kids back to God. Second point is what I call the parent's part. Okay, There's a God part and there's a parent part. The parent's part is that we need to nurture the next generation. It is our responsibility. Uh, and uh, Eli himself, he's the high priest. He's the judge in Israel at that time. And um, uh, Samuel is supposed to learn from Eli how to be a, a priest. Okay, he's at a tabernacle. Uh, and, but Eli has two sons. Okay, and these two sons uh, are also priests. And they help Eli in his services. But these two sons are, are actually bad priests. Okay, and they do not know the Lord. And this is what they did, okay, these two sons. Uh, it says here, Moreover, before the fat was burnt, okay, fat was supposed to be burned to the Lord uh, at, the, at, the, at the sacrifice altar, the priest's servant, which is this uh, these two sons, would come and say to the man who was sacrificing, Give meat for the priest to roast, for he will not accept boy meat from you, but only raw. And if the man said to him, Let them burn the fat first and then take as much as you wish. He would say, no, you must give it now. If not, I will take it by force. Thus the sin of the young man was very great in the sight of the Lord, for the man treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. Okay, so in the Old Testament practice, the fats of the animal must be burned as a pleasing aroma to the Lord first. Okay, and uh, whatever is left over, Okay, uh, that's not meant to be burned like the, the entrails, uh, whatever part that's not uh, meant to be sacrificed, then the priest is able to take. Okay? But now the two sons are saying, hey, you don't even have to burn it. Ah. Just give us raw. Okay? Let, let, let us treat the thing. Don't worry. So they end up not even sacrificing the thing, but they're taking the best part of the sacrifice for themselves. And the people are shocked. Hey, I thought that's the wrong practice. No, 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 no. So uh, they, they were doing things in their own way, and the Lord was very angry with their conduct already. So we see later the judgment of the Lord coming upon Eli and his family. Uh, it says here in First uh, Samuel 2.29, it says, uh, God is saying to Eli, Why do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded for my dwelling and honour your sons above me? by fattening yourselves on the choicest parts of every offering of my people Israel. Verse 34, And this shall come upon your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, shall be assigned to you. Both of them shall die on the same day. Okay? So very, very serious. Okay? Very, very serious. They have taken the things of God very lightly. And here, God is telling Eli, "You'll be judged because you have placed your two sons above me." Okay, they have, he has placed his family, he has placed his children above the Lord uh, by allowing them to continue in this bad practice. So we see in the in the book of First uh, Samuel, Eli does rebuke them, rebuke the two sons, but he didn't remove them from the position. Okay, uh, he didn't stop them uh, in this practice. And we, we see here, not only did he, did he not stop them, he himself was benefiting from what the sons did. Okay, he participated. He took the best part of the, uh, the, of the sacrifice for himself. And the Lord says both of them will die on the same day. And it came to pass that actually the both sons died on the same day. Eli also died on the same day. Okay, God's judgment came over there, and basically, it tells us that God takes this very seriously. We do not take the things of God lightly, and Eli failed to discipline and to disciple his children. Okay, very serious, uh, and, and God had to judge him for that. Okay, so um, maybe some of us here say, "Hey, but I, I, Pastor, I'm not a church leader. It's okay. Uh, you know, I'm not a spiritual leader." Okay, but the truth of the matter is we are all spiritual parents. I already said we are all, uh, especially if you are, you are the head of the household, you are the father, you are the mother, you have a responsibility to discipline and disciple your kids. Okay, it is in the Word of God. It is, you are the spiritual leader in your own home. So God expects us to love, to discipline, and to disciple our children. Uh, and, and we have to answer to God. At the end of the day, uh, Proverbs 22, verse 6, it says, Train up a child in a way he should go, even when he's old, he will not depart from it. Train up here means to develop a child's behavior and character through instruction and practice. When we lay that foundation, uh, it's less likely, okay, not guaranteed, but it's less likely that they will depart from it. Their character and their faith uh, is, is more likely to be formed. All right, so we need to discipline. Okay, training has to do with discipline. Uh, it has to do with discipleship. Uh, but let's look at discipline first. How do we discipline our kids? Uh, and and I, I find this uh, model quite, quite helpful, quite useful. Uh, it's by this guy called uh, Alan Galinsky. He's a researcher uh, on uh, family dynamics. Okay, and he came up with these six stages of parenthood. Okay, see which stage you are in, you know? So there are six stages, okay? The first stage is what we call the um, image-making stage. It means you are, haven't become a parent yet. You are imagining, oh, what kind of parent would I be? Will I be like my, my parents who brought me up? Will I be a different kind of parent? So you are forming a vision of what it means to be a parent. Okay? Some of us may be going through that. Okay? And the second stage is what we call the nurturing stage. Okay, that's where uh, the child is maybe from 0 to 2, uh, Okay, and, and, and during this stage, you know what's the most important? is the attachment. Okay? So at this stage, uh, you think they don't know anything, uh, but as parents, you must be the primary caretaker because the bond and the security is very important from 0 to 2. Okay, don't think, I'll just give to a nanny, la. I'll just give to a helper. No, 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 at 0 to 2, you need to... Develop that strong bond with your kid. Okay? How about stage three? Uh, stage three is a uh, authority stage. Maybe from uh, 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 two to about six years old. It's where you need to establish the, the rules. Okay? You are a disciplined master. You must tell them what you can do, what you cannot do, what you should do, and what will happen if you do it, the consequences. So stage three, you need to be a disciplined master. How about stage four? Stage four is um, uh, 13 to 18 years old, uh, uh, middle adulthood. Okay, uh, and uh, during this stage, uh, not, not middle, middle no 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 no. Yeah, childhood, childhood. Middle adulthood is uh, from six. Okay, primary school days. Ah, uh, is where they will ask a lot. What? Uh, why, Papa? Why must I do this? Why must I do that? Primary school. Uh. so your job is to. Tell them why, explain. A lot of explaining to do. Because they are interacting with different people outside the family. You need to explain why. Okay, of course, stage five is adolescent when they are in secondary school, uh, 13 to 18 is the stage where they know all the, the rules already. They know. They also know why. Now is how to practice, how to do it. They need wisdom. Okay, okay so at this stage, you are a coach. You're not breathing down your neck, you're giving them space to experiment, giving them space to fail, okay, and you're just coaching along the side. okay. That's your role. Uh, and the last stage, when they reach 18 and above. Now, some of us, uh, 18 and above, still trying to be the, the, the discipline master. Uh. I Wrong stage. Uh, means, wow, 18, they still want to enforce, enforce. They always fight, because why? They're not playing their key role. Okay, so we must move on. When they're 18 plus, you have to learn to be a, a friend already. Okay, you have to be a friend to them because you are finding out who they are, who are they becoming, okay, and, and growing that relationship as a friend. Okay, and uh, uh, sharing advice, whether they take it or not, it's up to them. So we go through different uh, roles as a, as a child grows up, and we need to adapt and change okay, as a child grows and that's how uh, we build up the child. That's how we discipline a child. That's how we love a child as they are growing up. All right? So this is a very good uh, framework uh, in, in how we bring up a child as they go through different stages. All right? So disi- uh, discipline is not enough. Uh, we also need discipleship. Okay? How do we disciple? Uh, this, uh, Billy Graham says this, the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money. Not material things accumulated in one's life. And in Singapore, not academic results. Okay? But rather, a legacy of character and faith. We want to pass on character and faith because they last for eternity. Okay? Uh, uh, in Singapore, we are concerned about results, concerned about their careers. Uh, we spend a lot of time and money on that. But we fail to invest in their spiritual heritage. We invest In their walk with God. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verse 4. Oh, y'all see my Bible already? Hmm. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when they sit in the house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Well, is that what the verse is telling us to do? Uh, you know, to put a, a sign at the door. And uh, the, the, there's a Jewish practice where they put the scriptures on their head and on their hands. Huh? Okay, so the, uh, for, for the Jews, it's a very literal thing. Uh, it's a physical reminder, you know, that they must always put the law of God in the center of their brain and on their hands so that they will practice the word of God. Okay, but for us, we don't do that. Uh, but the, the, the meaning is the same we need to um, teach our children the Word of God. But not only that, it must be a lifestyle. Okay? When you wake up, when you walk, when you sit down, they must be able to see you living out the Word of God. Because if you don't, they will spot the consistency. Okay? So we need to teach as well as we need to live it out so that our kids will be able to see. Uh, in, the, in the United States, they did a survey and they found that uh, two thirds, two of uh, young adults who grew up in the church, they will leave the church, okay, at least for one year between the ages of eighteen to twenty-two. Okay, means they were backslide. So it's quite high, uh, two thirds. Uh, and and uh, they they are asking why why do why do the young adults leave the church? What is happening? And why is one third staying? What is the reason that this one third stay on, and become vibrant vibrant Christian? So they surveyed about 3,472 adults, adult children. And you know what is the two most important factors why they, they stay on and be vibrant? They don't know what's the top, top two. How to make them stay. What's the top two? Is it, wow, happening band? No, it's not happening band. The top two uh, is this. Huh? The results shows this. What's the top two? Top two is, the children, are they regularly reading the Bible as they were growing up? Are they regularly praying as they were growing up? It's very simple. huh? huh? But these were the top two factors. Whether a child, when they grow up, stays on and be vibrant in the faith. Okay? So these are two things that parents must, must be able to do okay, with them. Uh help them to read the Bible, help them to pray uh every day. Uh so 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 for myself, uh when we're growing up, the first one uh what? Beginner's Bible. So every night before they sleep, uh, all the kids are uh, they are supposed to read one chapter uh, of beginners Bible. Okay? So they read until don't know how many times ah uh, they can memorize the thing. Right? So every night before they sleep, they have to read and then we will pray. Okay? And uh, basically, prayer just very simple, two things. What you want to give thanks to God for, and what is the prayer request? Two things only. it. So you do it as a ritual, the, the kids get better in reading, because over time, they read on their own. The only thing I didn't do, is uh, which I'm telling you as advice, is you must buy the Chinese version. Okay? Because at that time, I, uh, I don't have Chinese version. The Chinese tarot. Uh, if only I had started reading with, to them, uh, the Chinese version. So Pastor Amelia has ordered some Chinese version. Uh. So if you need, uh, just uh, okay, read with them. Let them read also. Then their Chinese will be better. Then after that, they transit to this uh, Eugene Peterson one, okay, where they also read. Okay, so we help them in their reading, and they get to know the Word of God. Then later on, basically, uh, we read the actual Bible, one chapter a day, uh, with the kids. So uh, basically, they did it until they, uh, they reached secondary school. secondary uh. school, they, they have to do it on their own. And uh, it, it can be quite rewarding because I remember one incident where uh, we were reading Leviticus chapter 18 with my kids. Okay, Leviticus 18, if you, if you don't know, is uh, all the sexual laws. Wow, sexual law, you know, wow. So I remember uh, the devotion took one hour, longer than normal. Why? Because, you know, my kids started asking about homosexuality. La. Then my youngest boy, don't know what is sex. La. I had to teach him for the first time. What is sex, la, you know? So, so uh, uh, it's a great opportunity to, uh, to use it to disciple your children uh, in the areas of sexuality. Okay? Because it's, it's not planned, it's just natural. Okay? So, we want to be the first people to teach them, not YouTube. What is sex? We want to be the first people who, to do that. Okay? And we can do that because the conversation comes up as we read the Bible today. Okay? Uh, the other factor for kids to stay on in church is parents must model with their lifestyle. Okay? Must model with their lifestyle. So the other factor is parents ask for forgiveness when they mess up. Wow, this one's difficult. Eh? Can you all say sorry to your children? Eh? You must. Eh? It's difficult, but you must because it impacts them. If you always cannot say sorry, I'll, wow, your, your child will be... It's one of the factors. Okay? And the other factor is what? Parents point out biblical principles in everyday life. Okay, so when my kids were growing up, whenever I see anything beautiful, either a flower or animal or plant, what would what I ask them? They can memorize it because whenever I see anything beautiful, I'll ask them this very simple question. Who made that? Who made that? What are you trying to do? You're trying to show them that, hey, God is the one who made that thing that is beautiful. Alright? So, uh, one is teach them the word of God. Second, by lifestyle. And the third thing. Okay, the third thing. What's the third thing? This is their primary responsibility is to disciple and to discipline. But they are not supposed to do it alone. Okay, they are not here to do it alone. They are here to... Uh, they, are, they are not supposed to outsource to the church. They're supposed to do it as a primary person. Okay, the, the church only comes in 1.5 hours every week. It's not enough. Okay, uh, we are here to support them. They are not alone. Uh, because in Titus chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Older women likewise be reverent in behavior, not slanderous or slave to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so, okay, they are supposed to train the younger women to love their husbands, their children, be self controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their husband, that the word of God may not be reviled. So, Paul is saying to them, and in this same uh, Titus, The older man is supposed to teach the younger man. So the the power of intergenerational discipleship, very important. So there's no retirement age. Every one of us who is older, we are supposed to be a living example. We're supposed to be able to pour into the lives of the next generation. And the next generation is supposed to also teach us about their faith. So that is the concept uh, that Paul has of the church. We are supposed to parent together. Uh, and, and I'm so glad in the church camp, you know, uh, there was an opportunity where the young and old are in a small group. You know, and uh, the young is sharing their faith, the old is sharing their faith, and they are able to interact. So we really hope to have more platforms like that where we can impact each other's faith. And, and my kids were always coming back and telling me, wow, they feel so blessed by the different sharing of their uncle and aunties. Okay, so we have to play a role uh, in the next uh, generation. And, uh, it is not just the scripture, it is backed up. One of the factors why children stay in the church as they grow up is because, why? Older, what? older adults intentionally invested in them. This is one of the key factors. Do they know somebody who is older in the church who invested uh, in them? So Lifeway Research found out that teenagers who had five or more adults from the church invest in them during the ages of 15 to 18 were less likely to leave the church after high school. Uh, it's not one adult, five kids. Ah. It is five adults to one kid. So we all have a role to play, uh, talk to the young people, uh, You know, fellowship with them, get to know them because your faith actually is important to them. All right, so second part is uh, the parents' part. First part is God part, pa- parents' part, church part. The last part is what we call the child's part. The child has a part to play as well. Okay, The child has a part to play as well. Okay, let's welcome the children in first. Huh? Some of them are coming in. The child has a part to play. Uh, if, you, if you look at uh, Samuel, Samuel himself was a man of God. Okay, he uh, he 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 basically judged Israel, and uh, his ministry was a, a great success. But we read later on that his own children, his own children, didn't know his ways. Eh. because in uh, one Samuel chapter eight, uh, verse one, it says, "When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel; the second son was Abijah. They were judges in Bathsheba. Yet the sons did not walk in his ways." but turn aside after gain, They took bribes and perverted justice. Wow. You say, hey, how come it uh, sounds familiar with Eli's sons? Uh, uh, the second generation, like, wow, oh God. Very hard, no? You know. Why, why, why are they not uh, growing the Lord? What's happening? Even Samuel such a great man of God. Uh, his sons also didn't uh, do well. Uh, and, and then we'll be asking, hey, how come God didn't judge Samuel? How come God only judged uh, Eli. Very strange, right? Uh, in, in fact, uh, you see later on, uh, later on, uh, it says here, the people are complaining. It says, "Hey, uh, Samuel, you are old and your sons do not walk in your way. Appoint for us a king to judge us like all the other nations. Okay, But uh, this thing displeased Samuel when he said, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. So we see that the people were complaining, hey Samuel, your sons are not like you. We don't really want a king. And then what does God says? Don't worry, Samuel. They are not rejecting you, they are rejecting me. Okay, God takes the responsibility upon himself. So why is there such a great difference? In the treatment of Eli and Samuel. The only evidence I can find in the Bible uh, is in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 12, where Samuel asked the people, did I take any bribe from you? Did I do any injustice to you? If there is, speak up now. Okay, none of them speak up because they said that Samuel hath ruled Israel righteously. Why is this trying to tell us? It tells us that God Himself didn't judge Samuel because Samuel was not corrupted even as he brought up his children. His children were corrupted because of their own decision as an adult child. So Samuel did his best in upbringing them in the ways of the Lord. But at the end of the day, his own kids corrupted and left. And the blame is not on Samuel. The blame is on the children. And God doesn't even blame Samuel. So some of us, uh, I, I've seen in my ministry, they get very devastated because their kids have left the Lord. Some of them, uh, kids have left the faith. Some of the kids have left the church. Uh, and, and the enemy comes to them and condemns them. Say, hey, how come you're a parent? How come your kids have left the faith? How come your kids have left the church? Uh, you're a bad parent. And they feel very condemned. And they cannot even serve the Lord. Because they feel that they have uh, uh, not taken their responsibility as parents well, but this morning the Lord wants to remind God's part. Okay, there's there's a God's part, there is a parent's part, but there is a child's part. At the end of the day, you bring your child up in the ways of the Lord. When they reach eighteen years old, when they become adult, the Lord doesn't blame you. If you have done your best, the Lord will hold them accountable. They are responsible to own their own faith. They are responsible to walk in God's ways. And we must release them to the Lord. What, we, what can we do as parents if they have drifted away? What can we do? There's only one thing we can do. We can just pray that they will own their faith. That's all that we can do. We pray, God, you touch them in your own special way. You draw them back to yourself. Because God loves them more than you. And even as we parent, it is a tough job. Let me tell you, even in this day and age, it's getting harder and harder to parent our our kids. But let me end off uh, with this encouragement that uh, that I I started off with. That even as we parent, we are not parenting alone. We are parenting with the church of God. And we are parenting with God. Uh, This verse is important for all the parents here. It says... What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he also not with him graciously give us all things? So this morning you must know that God is on your team. God is helping you. The church is on your side. is supporting you. And we can release our kids to the Lord because God has released his son to us. We must surrender our kids to God and say, God, come and touch them. Come and do in their life what I cannot do. We surrender our kids back to God because we are not alone. God is with us and God can touch them and bring forth the best in them beyond what we can do. I want to invite the worship team to to just come forward. Even as we close this service, we want to really pray for our children we want to pray for the next generation. So if you, if you don't have a biological kids, let's pray for the next generation. If you are a youth, if you are a, 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 a child, pray for yourself. We want to pray for the next generation uh, right now. We ask God to touch them in ways that we cannot. As we surrender our kids to God, we say, Lord, may they own their own faith. May they experience you uh, in their own special way oh lord and if we come before you and and say god we dedicate them before you may you touch them we dedicate ourselves teach us what it means to be good parents and lastly we pray that they will own their own faith they will experience and encounter christ in their own special way hallelujah lord thank you lord let's stand uh, because of time, I'm not going to sing the closing song. But we're going to pray for, for the next generation, alright? So wherever you are, just begin to first lift up your own kids before God and say, God, I, I dedicate my kids to you alone. Begin to pray for yourself as parents. We're going to pray for, for us as a church that we will partner with parents to disciple the next generation. And lastly, begin to lift up any wayward child that has gone astray and say, Lord, come and touch them in your own special way. Come, let's pray. Let's pray. Hallelujah, Lord. Father, we lift up our children before you, O Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Father, we lift up our children before you. The gifts that you've given to us, you've entrusted us to pastor these kids, O Lord. Oh, what a great privilege, O Lord. They are blank sheets of paper and You have entrusted us to write on their lives. Give us Your wisdom. Forgive us, O Lord, if we have parent wrongly, O Lord. Forgive us if we have failed in so many ways, O Lord. But we lift them up before You because You are a better parent, O Lord. You know them better than us, O Lord. You have a calling and destiny upon their lives. And we ask, O Lord, let that be fulfilled beyond all else, O Lord. That they will know you as their Lord and Savior. They will encounter you as the God of their lives, O Lord. So we lift them up before you. Every child, every next generation, we lift them up before you, O Lord. Touch them in your own special way, O Lord. May they know that you are real in their lives, O Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Anoint them right now with the Holy Spirit. Fill them with your power and your love. Thank you, Lord. Father, I want to lift up every wayward child into your hands, right? Every prodigal son and daughter in this congregation. Father, I pray call out to them. Let the prodigal child in the book of Luke, Lord that they will come to the end of themselves and they will run back to you and you will embrace them, O Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Father, we call out every prodigal son and daughter, return to the Father. Return to the Father, O Lord. Bring people in their lives, bring encounter, bring them to the end of themselves that they will come running back to you, O Lord. Touch them in your own special way, O Lord. Father, we cry together with parents who are grieving in this area, O Lord. We want to affirm them that we are with them, O Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. May you release them from the guilt and the condemnation of the enemy. May they be set free to serve you and worship you again as you affirm them that they have done their best, that you are for them, O Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. That they have not rejected uh, uh, them, but they have rejected God. Father, we pray as a church that no parent will parent alone. Help us to be co-laborers, partners with these parents, O Lord. As they bring them to Sunday school, children ministry and the youth ministry, help us to do our part, to disciple them, to be good role models, to take an interest in their lives, O Lord. Help us to invest in them, O Lord. So we lift them up before you as living sacrifice. Consume them, touch them, In your own special way, Lord. We lift them up before you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Do what we cannot do, Lord. So we pray and ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated.